0: Class is now in session. It says it's, uh, Caterpillar Xylophone is for three years old and up. Three years old and up. So if you're younger than three, you should not be playing with this. If you're two and a half years old and if you're caught playing with this, they will come and get you. I was driving by uh, Cartoon Network up in Burbank. So like I was, I was in Burbank. I was at AMC to see the new Barbie movie. And I was driving by Cartoon Network Studios and... I was just thinking, like, wow, I would love to be there. You know, I would love to be part of Cartoon Network at some point. You know, there's a very famous um, animator who works a lot for Cartoon Network. His uh, name slips my mind. I think it's like Nelson Park or something. Nelson Kim. Anyway, he's very famous. He's a cartoonist, animator, and a business owner. And what a lot of people around the world do not know is that all of the hit animated shows that you have in the united states were all hand-drawn by koreans yeah this is just something that people don't know the simpsons been on air for over 30 years all of it was hand-drawn by koreans all of it family guy hand-drawn by koreans bob's burgers hand-drawn by koreans spongebob squarepants hand-drawn by Koreans. I remember specifically in the first season of SpongeBob SquarePants, there's a scene where SpongeBob... Oh, it's the pizza one. Remember when SpongeBob and Squidward are, like, asked to deliver a pizza? <laughs> and Squidward tells SpongeBob to drive, even though SpongeBob doesn't have his license yet. And Squidward's like, put it in reverse. Yeah, back it up. And SpongeBob looks at the, the, uh, the gears... And he's like not sure like uh where to shift it. And then Korean appears. It's like go forwards, go backwards. Meaning SpongeBob can't read Korean. So that's like the foreign language that's there. But it's like that was in there because Koreans are animating it. So they could write whatever language they want in there and they chose Korean. I thought that was fascinating. But yeah, this that's the point. Like cartoonists, animators are Korean, but they're making these American shows that have no Koreans, no Asians in them. King of the Hill, also animated by Koreans. Batman. Fucking Superman. Any of these animated shows, like X-Men, Sp- Spider-Man, all these animated kids' shows, they were anim- Oh my god. Adventure Time. Animated by Koreans. So you get the point. A lot of these Cartoon Network shows were animated by Koreans, and I would, at one point, like to voice a character... For Cartoon Network. Like, I don't want just Koreans doing the labor of just reprinting whatever ideas that American producers and writers have. No, like, I'd like to actually voice a character. That's the dream. That's the goal. Yes. So anyway, I was driving by Cartoon Network. and I was just thinking about that. I was like, I'd like to work for their company at some point. I saw the new Barbie movie this evening. And I have to say, it was quite an experience. I mean, I wore pink. There's a new top that I bought. It says "Coochie." Yeah, it's like a knockoff of Gucci, made by Koreans in Korea. Yeah, it says Gucci. Because uh, Disney and Gucci would never collaborate. And if they do, then they would only do it in this way, by promoting Gucci and not Gucci. Also, like, you know, Mickey Mouse's face is on it, so why why isn't it Disney? Isn't that weird? Maybe they don't need to. Mickey Mouse's face is everything. They already know it's Disney. Anyway, I went to see the new Barbie movie. Everybody was dressed in pink. It was packed out. Theater was packed out. And the most fascinating thing about watching Barbie in theaters is listening to all the white men, straight white men in the theater, moan and groan and comment throughout the movie. Because the film does explore gender politics in a very deep way. And a lot of these dudes are like not caught up in the discourse so when they're watching it like they're getting confused (laughs) and so they have to talk about it it's like very like it took me it took everything in me to not tell them off and be like can you please shut the fuck up like it took me everything but whatever they're having experience and for that reason i do praise Greta Gerwig because in all of her movies Uh, maybe not all, but definitely in Little Women and definitely in this, in the Barbie film, there are these wonderful monologues where, where the woman's perspective is told and it's true and it's real and it's gushing and moving and bloody and earthy. I love it. I love it. Greta Gerwig is so good at that. So... Praise Greta Gerwig for that. Today, I'll be talking about the show See You in My 19th Life, which is a very interesting Netflix series starring Shin Hye-sun and An Bo-hyun. Ahn Bo-hyun, we've all known as the villain in Itaewon Class, and he was a very good performer. And Shin Hye-sun, of course, we know from a bunch of K-dramas, but perhaps her most well-known series is uh, Mr. Queen. Which I still love. I'm still like shocked that I put that off for so long because it was like a highly entertaining show. The show is based on a webtoon called See You in My 19th Life written by Yi He, and it was written by Che Young-im. And this show was actually directed by a woman. Yi Na Jung is the director of this series and the show is really weird. It is out there. It is zany and weird and colorful and when i look at this director's filmography it kind of makes sense so she directed oh my venus which i don't think i uh, covered here on this podcast so i will eventually oh my venus and she also directed love alarm which i could not watch i was like there's no way i'm going to watch this show she directed the show mine which i don't know anything about she also directed fight for, fight for my way which i haven't seen but yeah see you in my, see you in my 19th life very interesting show very zany and weird and crazy Uh, It's definitely ripped off some things from Goblin. But, you know, like, Goblin is just the standard go-to, like, default, almost, like, boilerplate show for anything that's, like, fantasy and past life related now. And it's not like they invented that concept. It's just, that's my go-to. Okay? So... I know that there are other shows that dealt with past life stuff that came before Goblin, but it's like Goblin's always going to be my go-to because that was the biggest Pan-Asian hit worldwide hit. It's still a big reference point. It's still part of the how you phenomenon. So that's my reference point, but yeah, it's, it's got a lot of like past life shit related to that. And recently I've been thinking about past life, like these, pa- the past life concept um, tied to Hinduism, Buddhism, And why? Why is past life stuff mentioned in Korean dramas? Why is this part of the exploration? And what is the bigger significance and meaning behind it? And what I'm finding is that past life, for me, my interpretation of it is it has everything to do with this current life and the people from our past or the past events that keep replaying inside our memories clear as day for trauma survivors like myself right and what is the point of continuing to remember one's past life what purpose does it serve and for me it's like oh it serves a specific kind of purpose in trauma related injuries and that it tells the the subject not to do the same things that led to those traumatic events right so it's like a protection thing self-protection thing i remember this one part in the show i think it was in the first episode or second episode is most likely in the first episode but or was it the second episode it doesn't fucking matter it's like one of the earlier episodes of see you in my 19th life and it's when the female protagonist is in her young body so she's like reborn after she died in the car accident and she's like in her young body and she has this abusive father and abusive older brother who like wreak havoc in her life and she starts to cry but before crying she's like kind of hanging on and she's trying to be strong and she says to herself you've survived war so this is nothing and she tries to hold on. And then she bursts into tears. And that moment was so, like, I don't know, so heartfelt for me. Like, it, it, you know, really tugged at my heartstrings because I think that's what a lot of tough people do. I think that's a lot of, like, a lot of tough women, especially tough girls. You know, they'll be like, you've been in worse scrapes than this. So don't fucking cry, you dumb bitch. You know? It's like she was being that, you know, inner staff sergeant, inner critic to herself out loud referring to her past lives and I was just like wow that moment I don't know it just it kind of moved me moved me in a empathetic sort of way like I felt such extreme compassion for that character in that moment but yeah the part where she remembers like her very first life her very, very first life from her past. And it's when her older sister was killed by this enemy soldier dude. And she's like, conflicted whether or not was it her lover or was it somebody else? And thankfully, turns out it was somebody else. It wasn't actually her lover in his past life who's ended up killing her sister. And she's like, oh, thank goodness. So, okay, there's no conflict here. So everything's okay. But I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Make the conflict worse. Make him the face of the guy who actually stabbed and killed your sister or you, right? Like really up the stakes here. Make it unforgivable and then have the character forgive. I mean, that is love, right? I mean, that is actual forgiveness, is it not? I felt like the series made the, that conundrum a little bit too easy to resolve, So I feel like no, make it more extreme. Not only did he murder her sister, but also her and her entire family. And then he murdered himself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Bring the stakes like all the way up. I thought the show was so strange in how plastic and unrealistic and unrelatable the male characters were. None of the male characters seemed like believable characters. They all seemed outrageous. They all seemed unbelievable. Female characters too. Female characters were just as unbelievable and outrageous. Nobody in this show felt like an actual human being. They all felt like characters of a cartoon That were made into a real-life show. Like a live-action animated No, not animated Live-action K-drama series. That's what ended up happening. And so that's what I mean by the bizarreness of this director. And I don't know if this is like her auteur flavor. Or if this is like... Just given the content, they wanted to go with this. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. But uh, it's definitely out there. Definitely zany and camp. But... Yeah, this question of why past lives? Why are we exploring past lives? How come some people remember and others don't? I feel like these are interesting questions to explore and how do they relate to our current circumstances as human beings? I feel like that's very, very relevant.